Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with Him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts, Davey Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Nothing is Wasted podcast. I'm Aubrey. And I'm Davey. And we have an incredible conversation in store for you today with Misty Snyder. Um, You know, this is a topic, Aubrey, that we have not really covered a whole lot. Um, I've been wanting to have some conversations surrounding parents with special needs. And uh, because I know that we have so many of you guys out there and we've had a couple of conversations, but I'm just really glad that, that we were able to do this conversation so that you guys can not only be encouraged and ministered to, but also resourced. And Misty's got mm-hmm. some great resources. She is an advocate for um, special needs families. She has created an online community called Happiness is Down Syndrome. It's awesome. Um, it's very cool. You need to go look up their Instagram, Happiness is Down Syndrome, and it will, it will light up your day. Because she really, and we'll talk about in this conversation, you'll hear in just a second, she really flips the script on everything you would think of when you receive a diagnosis of Down syndrome, right? As a, um, in pregnancy, you know, a doctor OB comes to you and says, Hey, I'm sorry, you know, here's the genetic testing and how it comes back. Typically you're going to go and search Google and you're going to find all of these different things that, you know, are going to tell you all the difficulties and how hard this is going to be and how much it's going to, you know, really adversely affect your family and, she decided to flip the script. And I love her her perspective on this. Amazing. It's so, so cool. So cool. Yeah, you are going to be so encouraged by Davy's conversation with Misty Snyder. And uh, like Davy said, go to Instagram right now and find her. Happiness mm-hmm. is Down Syndrome. Begin following her. And um, I, I know you'll be, I know you'll be encouraged if you're a parent of a special needs child or walking with someone who is, or just you you want to put a smile on your face. Yeah. I think this is a a great uh, ministry for you to be a part of and support. So with that in mind, let's go ahead and take a listen to Davy's conversation with Misty Snyder. Well, Misty, it's so great to have you on the Nothing is Wasted podcast. Thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, Misty, I'm so excited about this conversation because I, I just, as I was reading some of your your bio and some of your stuff and just kind of seeing what you're doing in the world right now, I, I'm so encouraged by how you have taken your pain and your situation that many people would say is exactly, uh, I mean, many many parents would say this could be one of their worst fears, right? And and yet you're leveraging this and you're and you're using this to encourage other people. And I know that it hasn't come without your own disappointment and hardship and pain and, and difficulty. And so that's what I'm, I want to dive into, but I'm just really proud of the voice that you're bringing to this conversation right now. It's really cool. Thank you so much. It's, um, it's been such an honor and, and a, a joy and, um, it's been a beautiful thing to watch the Lord uncover his plan for me and this and his plan for this community. Um, I really feel um, his presence over all of it. And so it, yeah. it is such a joy. It really is such a joy. Wow. Well, you know, a, a large part of what you do is obviously um, as a mom, you're, you're a mother to, um, to, to a child with Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. And, and you have, uh, you know, we'll talk about your story in just a second and how this all came about, but you have launched this really cool platform to encourage other parents uh, of special needs, particularly with uh, Down syndrome diagnoses. And mm-hmm. it's called Happiness is Down Syndrome. It's very, very cool. And um, you've just become a really big advocate for this. Now, you know, I know I spent, when, when I was um, planting our church here in Indianapolis, back in when we moved here in 2011, one of the first things we did was try to get involved in the community. And I started substitute teaching. And my assignment for an entire year was working with kids with special needs. Mm-hmm. And so it really, I mean, it really transformed my perspective on things, um, just working with them every single day. And and I'm telling you, the folks that I worked with that really did the grunt work of a lot of, you know, I was just kind of assisting along there, alongside of them, but they just became my heroes. And so I want to say from the outset, you are a hero to me, and I'm so excited for the encouragement you're going to bring to this. Why don't you tell us a little bit about 
Um, you know, take us back to the very beginning when you first got this news and, mm-hmm. um, and, and maybe even before kind of prep us on what was life like. And, and then as you got this news that Jed, is that correct? Yeah. Jed, Jedediah Jed would be mm-hmm. born Jed. with yeah. Down syndrome. Yeah, I would love to. Um, so we had, um, one son already, our older son, Clay, who's now four. And we, I'm an only child and mm. desperately wanted a sibling. Uh, my whole life was brought up by a single mom and just wanted that family unit that I so desperately craved. Yeah. And uh, so we we were trying for a second and we had um, gone through a miscarriage and that was exceedingly painful for me. And I, to be honest, I almost wanted to throw in the towel and maybe this is the Lord's sign that I'm only supposed to have one child and, and, uh, maybe I'm too old and maybe, you know, just all the thoughts that went through my head. But, uh, my husband and I really felt that we should try again. And, um, we got pregnant and everything, we passed the mark that I'd miscarried before and everything, seemed like it was going really well. I had, you know, a couple appointments and we heard the heartbeat and I was just so grateful. And, uh, it was March 6th of 2020. So just before the whole world shut down, um, I was waiting for, we, I, the pregnancy felt different than my first son. And so I, I was convinced I was having a girl and I was, I was, desperate to find out because I wanted to have, you know, girls, girl clothes thrown at me, um, and to (laughs) shop. And so I did some genetic (laughs) testing and we hadn't done any testing with my first son. So this was a whole new experience. Um, so we did some genetic testing to find out the, the gender of the baby and it took a long time to hear back. And I, I kept calling and calling and calling. And one day I had just gotten back from, leading worship at a, at a Bible study on a Friday morning, and I was resting in my bed, and uh, I had my ringer off, but I looked over and I saw OB, and mm-hmm. it was my doctor, and um, instantly I felt something was wrong. Mm-hmm. She had this cold, distant tone in her voice. Um, you know, she said, we got the, the results of the genetic testing back. And I said, oh, great. And she said... Um, you know, everything looked fine here and here and here, but um, I did want to tell you that you you came back high risk for trisomy 21. And, you know, you hear people describe that sort of like, you know, the earth stops, the world stops, and you, what did you just say? I said, do you mean Down syndrome? Mm. And she said, yes. And I said, well, what does high risk mean? What does that mean? And she said, uh, you have a nine of 10 chance that your son has Down syndrome. And I didn't, ha- I didn't have any warning. I was, luckily, my husband was home um, that afternoon, but I didn't have any warning. It just, it felt like the whole world stopped. And, you know, there was no, I still get emotional about it because I, I empathize with yeah. who I was then. Yeah. But I, I have never felt more scared and more alone than that phone call because there was no one there to sort of explain things to me. It was just a cold, hard, and, and she said, I'm sorry. Um, and I said, well, what's the, what's the sex of the baby? And she said, the fetus is a boy. Mm. And um, she said some more things about connecting me to the genetic counselor. It all, it all was a, a blob, but... I remember starting to walk down the stairs with the phone in my hand and I sort of fell down the last few stairs to my husband and just fell in a ball of of tears. And, you know, that moment was one of the darkest in my life because I have, um, you know, volunteered for um, clinics to, you know, to talk to women about alternatives, um, being able to put their child up for adoption and, and, and different things. And, and so I never in a million years would have thought that my head would have gone to the place that it did in that moment. Right. But I said to my husband, I cannot do this. Mm. I can't do this. I'm not this person. Uh, you know, I traveled the world as a, as an actor and a singer and, I'm a 
spontaneous, you know, life living person. And mm. I'm not going to be, I was mad. I was sad. I said, I'm not going to be that, that woman that we all picture that has the, yeah. the child with special needs at church that everyone goes, Oh, she's so sweet. <laughs> I'm not her. And I was sobbing. And, you know, my husband was very level headed in that moment. And he said, oh, cause I said, I can't. And he said, well, we can, and, and we will. This baby, this baby is ours, and we, and we love him. And I needed something that simple said to me in that moment because my head was jumbled. And when he said that, I knew he was right, but I was still terrified, and I had the hardest weekend of my life um, after that phone call. And on Monday, we went in to see the genetic counselor. So um, it was – I have a new understanding for women – yeah. who feel that there is no alternative. I do, because I have never felt so stuck in my entire life, stuck in my body and couldn't get out. Like, let me escape from this reality because I did not ask for this. I did not sign up for this. This is not for me. Um, and uh, so that's that's how it happened. But on Monday, we went to see our genetic counselor. And I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt that that room was filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, mm -hmm. I was afraid I'd heard before that genetic counselors say, immediately offer abortion, immediately, you know, give you all the, it's going to harm your son and your, all the fears that I had. Yeah. I was afraid. I was so afraid. And we walked in and this woman was an angel. She mm -hmm. never brought up termination she never, um, she, she spoke to the fear I had about my older son. She said, you know, um, children who are people who have siblings with, um, with Down syndrome report to be uh, better people because of their siblings, more compassionate, more understanding. Um, she said, your, your son is going to learn so much more about compassion and, wow. and empathy. And she spoke a little bit to our marriage and all the things that I was so afraid of. She spoke to them. Wow. And I later wrote to her and said, you were, you were a game changer for me. Wow. You know? do, you, do you know if she is a believer? She never said it. She never said, she never okay. said it, but I, 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 um, she never even alluded to it. I did in my email, hoping she'd like jump on it, yeah, that she would, but yeah. she never did. She never wow. did. Well, I, I, I say that because I, I, it, it was kind of a, occurred to me as you're sharing this, you know, and I, obviously I don't know the background of your OB either, but you described kind of this, you know, almost uh, cold standoffish in some ways, which, you know, my wife's a medical professional. And so she, you know, she has to give really difficult news to people sometimes. And, and so I don't envy that position whatsoever. Right. I mean, they're doing this over and over, but sometimes in the medical profession, they're they get so accustomed to this, that they can become kind of calloused. And sometimes that's a way for them to cope with it. Cause they're like, man, I don't want to enter into this place with empathy, but I'm curious if you can commentate on that a little bit. This was a this was a news that created a moment for you that made you feel, as you said, the most alone that you've ever felt. Like there was nobody there to explain it to you. And yet you mm -hmm. contrast this with this, this meeting with this genetic counselor where you felt the, the power of the Holy Spirit. We've got so many medical professionals who are listening to this. We've had people write in saying this has been so helpful to me as I'm working with, you know, patients in, in COVID ICU or working with, you know, you, you name it it's it's helpful to understand how to approach these things as believers at almost like espionage believers yeah. right like covert operations in the marketplace and how we handle these difficult situations uh in a context that's outside of pastoral can you talk about that a little bit what you wish yes. you would have experienced what you you know just just color that a little bit for us i first of all davy i'm really grateful that you 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 know prompted this by saying you know it's it's difficult for people in the medical profession because I was angry. I was very, very angry. And I still have moments where I go, oh, if only she'd done, if only I, you know, the if onlys. But um, I'm really glad you said that because I don't envy <laughs> that position at all. But I think that doctors and nurses and medical professionals have a unique opportunity to um, deliver the, this news with um hopeful, uh, with a hopeful tune in the sense of just because it's, it's a diagnosis or a path that you didn't expect and that you yeah. might not have chosen, it doesn't mean that there isn't 
um, hope and light and life at the end of it. And our words matter. Yeah. 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 And to your point, you know, you, you don't even have to be this like real outspoken, gregarious sharing the gospel in that moment. Right. I mean, obviously that's, you know, depending on where you work, that, that could be against, you know, some of your, uh, your work agreements and stuff. Right. Obviously. And so to, you know, consistent with your experience with this genetic counselor, she was just focusing on the positive side of these mm-hmm. things and mm-hmm. trying to rebuke the fear that, that was inside of your heart. Right. And this is what That's we right. as believers embody. We, be, we embody this idea of faith over fear. We're yes. going to look at the redemptive nature of this before we look at, you know, kind of the fallen nature of this. And mm-hmm. we, we live in the fallen nature. We, we experience the fallen nature, but mm-hmm. the fact that she was able to tune her voice in such a way that it lifted your spirit and she didn't even say the words Jesus or give you any kind mm-hmm. of overt indication that she is a believer. Mm-hmm. You still, she still brought kingdom into your life through this. She did. And, and I think that is such a good point because she never even alluded to it. She never mm-hmm. even alluded to having this, this, this faith, but the words that she spoke were filled with hope. And I think that's important to point out because when you get past all the, I'm speaking specifically of Down syndrome, when you get past all the Google mess about Down syndrome and you really get down to people, which is what my platform is about, you actually see that the facts say so much. So much of what we think about Down syndrome is old news. And we think, oh, like it's just, you immediately go to the worst, but in actuality, half of what you're thinking is not true. (laughs) it's old. And so to be able to just state the facts clearly about what people with Down syndrome are doing now and how early intervention is such a gift and all the things that I've experienced now with my 19 month old, that is the helpful stuff. Those are the the gems, you know, that's so good. Well, I definitely want to make sure we talk Mm -hmm. about some of those things because I think you can also be a voice in, into the hearts of people who are listening to this right now. And they're wondering those things, right? They've just done Google search after Google search after Google search. Mm -hmm. But I want to take a moment right now before we get into that. And I want to talk a little bit about this process of grief, right? Because this is right where you get these, you get this news and you know, so much of, of parenting in general is that you find out that you're, you're pregnant and you're excited, you're elated, you start having these dreams, these ideas, these expectations of how things are going to be. Your life has suddenly shifted and changed. And no matter what kind of, you know, um, a child is brought into the world, your world has shifted and changed. But for many of us, you know, for many of us, it's this idea for us, we're going, okay, I'm expecting these really incredible, mm-hmm. beautiful things. And then there's so many of us that get news that disappoints and, mm-hmm. and that's, that's probably, um, you know, the, the, the least, uh, grave term that I could use right there. It really does feel like a grief, a yeah. loss. Can you talk about your journey in that a little bit over the next several weeks and how you had to sort through that kind of grief? We talk about grief all the time where people have actually lost someone and you've experienced that with miscarriage as well, but this is a different type of grief, grief. Uh, yeah. can, you, can you talk through that? Yes. I'm, thank you for that question. I think it's really important to acknowledge the hopes and the expectations that we have as parents for our children and who doesn't want the absolute you know, best and brightest for their child. Um, it's important to grieve, grieve what you thought. Mm. So it, they, we call it grieve the dream. Like we all have a dream of you know, whatever it is, the white picket fence and 2.5 kids and all the things. And so it's important to, to allow yourself to be sad, to, to embrace the, and sad obviously is a very shallow word. It's allow, it's it's okay and good to allow yourself to sob uncontrollably. Right. right? And to not think I had shame with that. I thought, here Mm. I am if this child of mine, which 90% chance I had it, I never got an amnio to confirm because I was afraid of the amnio, <laughs> but I, um, I, a nine out of 10 chance, I assumed that he had Down syndrome. And so here I am sobbing about this baby in my belly, mm. right? And 
what the shame that that brought as a mom. Like, no, Misty, you're supposed to instantly love and embrace who he is and and what's wrong with you. I just, the, the enemy crept in and was like, you are the worst mom ever. Mm. And that was even harder than the diagnosis. Like, yeah. what kind of person am I that would that would think the thoughts that I was thinking. Mm. And it was really painful and I had to live with myself, you know? And I think, you know, when I finally spoke to another mother who was much further down the road, had a five-year-old, she said that to me, allow yourself to grieve the dream. Allow yourself to grieve what you thought your baby was and, and that's okay. You know, cry those tears and shake those fists. Um, And then when you're ready, you'll step into the next thing. And I think um, not taking the time to do that is robbing you of being able to actually truly rejoice in who your child is. That's right. That's so good. That's very, very well put. You know, we say that often that, you know, in order to experience the resurrection of Christ, what did Paul say? We first must experience and share in his suffering mm-hmm. and that there is a pathway for us to experience the emotions, even the, the joy that comes on the other side of it. And that pathway is to, is to go through some deep mourning and acknowledge yes. the, the loss that you've experienced, even if it's not as many people would deem as like the conventional form of loss, there is loss mm-hmm. involved with mm-hmm. this. And we have to acknowledge those things. We call them layers of loss, right? There's all mm. these you, you, you might have lost someone that you love, but you also have lost some other things within that. Some mm-hmm. dreams, some hopes, some expectations, yeah. some way of life. You know, like there's some things that are lost here and we have to grieve those in order to move forward, you know, on purpose. I'm so, uh, it, was, it was very well put that as your friend was sharing this with you, that's amazing to hear that. You know, um, I, I want to talk a little bit about some of those misconceptions, you know, because you're right. So many people are going to immediately turn to Google for a lot yeah. of things. Unfortunately, yeah. by the way, Google is not the authoritative word on everything. Just so everybody knows that <laughs> back to things that pop up in Google searches are usually things that got paid to pop up there early. Right. right? And so, right. but you know, uh, people do, we, we, we all do that. We kind of go down that rabbit trail for a lot of things on like, Oh my goodness, what does this mean? And we're trying to get some sense of education to give us some kind of sense of control. Talk about some of those misconceptions as you're working with a community of parents of, of special needs, particularly down syndrome. What comes up and, and how do you, how do you pastor and shepherd those people through those? Yes. I think fear is a huge factor here. I think mm. fear is a huge part of, um, the, any sort of diagnosis that you're not expecting fear of the unknown. Mm. And that was certainly, uh, number one in my brain. I am so scared. Because you, when you do do that Google search late at night at two in the morning, um, you see all the things that could go wrong, a long list. And even some medical professionals would say they're more prone to this. They're 50% of them have heart defects. They're, uh, you know, cognitively, I'll never forget when my cardiologists, you know, they do appointments um, for the heart in utero to see if they have a, a a heart defect and, and we weren't seeing one and I was crying tears of joy and, uh, cause you know, 50% chance. And he said something along the lines of, he didn't mean it harshly, but the way he said it was, you know, well, the, the biggest thing with down syndrome is, you know, all the cognitive delays. And <laughs> here I was like rejoicing that, that, uh, his heart looked okay. And then I was like, Oh, okay. So you don't get a lot of space to celebrate the victories, but there are so many victories. First of all, let me just say everything from the second down syndrome happens at the moment of conception and every moment past then they are a miracle. My child is a miracle. There is there time and time and time and time and time again, he shouldn't have made it Mm. and he made it. And not only did he make it, He's the joy of my life. (laughs) And um, I just think you're, God, you are such a miracle. And the fact that that something was different and he still came to be is a miracle. And um, I think that, you know, 
you just think this could go wrong. And what if this happens? What if he never talks? What if he never walks? What if he has a heart defect? What if I have a stillbirth? That was my biggest thing. There, you know, there's a increased risk of stillbirth. These are real things, but they are debilitating mm. because most of them never happen. Most of the things that you fear, the long laundry list, don't happen. Maybe a few of them do, and quite honestly, a few of them you don't expect will happen. Mm -hmm. My son had infantile spasms, which is very rare, very, very rare, and he had them. I never even knew what those were, <laughs> but yeah. the point is, you know, don't borrow tomorrow's trouble. We don't mm -hmm. know. That's we good. don't know, and the fact is, I don't know if my four-year-old typical son is going to you know, there so many things. Life is, we just don't know. And I wish that we could focus on the victories. That's what I say. Focus on the victories. Focus on the one appointment in front of you. And if that appointment, you know, you walk out and you're not, you know, in a million pieces, you know, celebrate. <laughs> just focus on the victories at one step at a time. Yeah. That's so good. I think that's so important to be reminded that, you know, most of what we worry about, in general in life, you know, 90% of it never actually transpires. That's right. And, and to say, you know, don't borrow tomorrow's trouble. You know, Jesus put it very appropriately in Matthew six. He said, don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm like, is he Bob Marley all of a sudden? You know, don't worry. <laughs> that sounds so easy if you're the son of God and you know all things, right? But what about those of us who we don't know what's coming tomorrow? And, but it, you know, it is, it's this, it's this trust exercise this trust walk where we're, we're not yes. worrying because we can we can trust that he is in the tomorrow and that yes. he'll see us there i also wonder too though in especially you know and, and you can speak to this i i don't know if this is necessarily a gender thing but just what my uh, what i'm observing a lot of times is that women particularly can analyze situations a lot and not just that analysis leads to to worry but also it can, it can be something where you're pulling back from your past and you're thinking, what if I had, yes. what if I had, I mean, I know I experienced a lot of this when it came to having to, to, to learn how to heal from my wife's death was, well, what if I had done this or what if I would it have changed this outcome? Did you have any moments like that Yes. and, and speak to that, speak to some of that analysis? Cause it's really easy for a lot of times someone to hear stories like this and go, okay, this is where this person was and this is where they are now, but they don't see the in-between where you're plagued and you're bogged down by a lot of this, you know, this, this warfare going on in your head and your heart. Can you share yes. a little bit of that with us? Yes. Well, I do think I, shame is a big word in my story. Mm. And I think that shame creeps in sometimes when we don't know, you know, things happen in life that we don't know why. And I think the human brain, at least this human brain, thinks, I want to make sense of this. How did this happen? Why did this happen? Yeah. And in my darkest moments, it was because of me, mm. right? Like, oh, Misty, you're being punished. Like, mm. I had so many years where I, you know, I am a recovering alcoholic, um, nine years sober, and I, I, I had so many moments where I thought, this is, this is punishment. Mm -hmm. You, you did some things to your body and this was caused by this. I had moments of that. I had moments of, um, you waited too long to have kids. You know, mm -hmm. I just turned 40 and he was born when I was 38 and I have friends who are 43, 44 having kids who don't have Down syndrome. Right. It doesn't really make sense, it, yeah. but that's the first place I went. Yeah. It's 100%. your fault. You, right. you are the cause of this, your lifestyle um, before the Lord radically changed your life, these are the these are the mm. consequences to your sin. Man. Those were the darkest places that this I went. Is, and this is where the enemy. This is playground, right? This is where he wants to get us stuck and cause us to just play this stuff over and over and over in our heads. And and now we are heaped on with condemnation and mm -hmm. regret and and shame and. Mm -hmm. You know, just a reminder, Romans 8 tells us there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, right? Amen. Amen. We can live in that truth and um, we can live in the truth of um, this, this whole situation passed through the hands of a sovereign God mm. and he can intervene and change things in, a, in an instant, right? And, and mm. yet he chose to allow this 
to be your story. That's right. How do you wrestle with that in terms of where was there ever any anger with the Lord? Was there ever any frustration or, you know, just as you begin to wrap your heart around this, like, Hey, this was part of God's at least, you know, allowance into my life, his will into my life. What did that look like between you and your relationship with the Lord? You know, I feel like I definitely had moments with the Lord where I was like, God, have I not had enough? Mm. You know, my life has not been easy. Mm. And so much of it has been through poor choices or sort of turning my back on what I knew to be true. Mm. So at least I could say, well, I was straying from the Lord (laughs) And, and, you know, when we're far from the Lord, um, we're lost. And there were moments where I was lost in my life. Um, but this particular time getting the diagnosis with Jed, I had never been more solid in my walk with Jesus. Mm. You know, I was doing all the right things, which is where my head goes, right? right? My Pharisee head, Lord, I'm doing all the right things and I love you and I'm spending time with you and I'm, going to this Bible study and I, I'm leading this Bible study and I'm doing that. And I, and I've grown and I know you and I, and I, and I've learned from my mistakes and I, you know, it's like this bargaining, like, have I not shown you Lord that I will do anything for you and that I will, you know, you have brought me up from the ashes. The Mm. Lord brought me up from so much and rescued me from so much. And, there, the, in my darkest moments, I was just like, why, God? Can I just coast for a second? Yeah. Can I just have, like, can you just give me an easy-peasy life for two seconds, mm. you know? Um, but where I, where I landed from that sort of wrestling was, you know, I don't, I don't want an easy life. Yeah. I want a full, mm. rich life wow. filled with Jesus. And I say that through clenched teeth because who doesn't want to like sit by a pool and tan? Like, you know, uh, come on, we're human. have that, you know, every once in a while, (laughs) a week or two here. Exactly. (laughs) I do like the easy moments, but you know what? I don't want, I don't want what can come from that. I don't want the uh, the shallow, mm, Mm. I, I, I don't want it. I want. And it's so interesting because the day that I got the diagnosis, the day that I got the diagnosis, I had gone to a Bible study, I had led worship, and we had this very deep, rich conversation around Mm. what we were studying. And all the girls in the Bible study reminded me that I said, I don't want an easy life. (laughs) (laughs) I want the Lord to shake me up and show me more of who he is. And guess what? The next day I got the diagnosis and God shows me more of who he is through this journey. I'm Mm. not, that's not, that's not me saying, oh, my journey is so much more holy than yours. It's me saying, I see more of his character. I see more of, of his love. I see more of his characteristics. Mm. You know, Jed can sit with me. He's 19 months old. And I had a really hard day the other day and I was sobbing. And we were sitting at the top of the stairs, and Jed put his hands, his little teeny hands, in my hair. And usually he yanks my hair. He's, he's going like this with my hair. And I kid you not, we sat there for five minutes, which for a 19-month-old is a big deal. Yeah. Just played with my hair. And I'd look up at him, and he'd go, ah. and then he'd play with my hair. And I'm telling you, in that moment, I saw what it means to sit with someone through their pain yeah. more than any time in my life through a 19 month old. And that's from Jesus. Yep. Yep. Man, that just that phrase right there, you know, I can have an easy life or I can have a rich life. It's like, wow, that's profound. Yep. It's profound. And that's true. Um, it's a scriptural principle. I remember my counselor saying, Davey, the wrong fight is to try to make life easy. Mm. That's not, life is not going to be easy. He said, the right fight is to figure out how do I live well in a difficult world? 
And for me, that was, that was a game changer because living well means that I can, I'm going to live a, a rich life, a fulfilled life, a life where I'm going to know Christ more and yes. be known more by him. Yes. And, um, and that's what these kinds of valleys do. As you've said, it re- reveals to us more of the mysteries of God than we ever would have otherwise, uh, way Absolutely. more than if we're reading a book about God sitting on the beach in Cancun, you know, sipping a, a cocktail. Like that's <laughs> sure you can learn about God. You really get to know God in these moments right here. That's right. right. So that's as right. as you as you guys were starting to navigate this, the first you know he's 19 months old now as, at the time of this recording. Um, as as you're beginning to navigate this over the past 19 months, what have you seen? What you know, you had this counselor that told you, hey, let me tell you some really cool things that you're going to see out of this, namely the relationship that his older brother has with him and your marriage. And can you testify to some of that stuff? What have you seen has transpired over the past 19 months as you guys are learning this new normal? Well, the relationship with my sons could not have been more on target than what she said there. Mm. Um, my older son, Clay, is very bright and very quick and very wants the next hot thing. I have no idea where he gets that from. Um, <laughs> and he doesn't just kind of like, you know, stop ever. Yeah. <laughs> and Jed has this remarkable ability to help him stop. And mm. Clay will just go up to him and say, I love you, Jed. Mm. I love you. He brings out this sweet, thoughtful part of Clay that, you know, is just so beautiful to behold. And then you see Jed observing his older brother, who already he's got stars in his eyes. For Clay and Clay's running around and like changing the world, mm-hmm. <laughs> and Jed just wants to keep up. You know, he just wants to. And I think what a gift to have. You know, I don't have a sibling, but what a gift to have someone to look up to, and then for Clay to have someone to sort of like remind you right. what's important in life, right. and when to slow down and when to um, mm. stop and smell the roses. You know, like what greater gift could they have in a brother relationship? Yeah. You know, that's so, that's so, so that's been the sweetest. And, you know, it's funny because through my platform, Happiness is Down Syndrome, people will reach out to me. And I had this man reach out to me. He, I think about him every day. And he said, I'm, oh, God, this story. He, I think he's in his 50s. His brother is older, actually, with Down Syndrome. Mm. It's just the two of them. And uh, he said that he was suffering from uh, the, the, the younger brother without Down syndrome was diagnosed with something that I can't remember, but his body was starting to deteriorate. And he said, my brother with Down syndrome will just take my, my face in his hands when I'm, when I'm shaking, you know, when this yeah. disease is taking me over. And he'll take my hands and put them on, his, on my oh. face and he'll just hold me there to still my hands. Mm. And he said, we don't speak any words. He just does it. And that story just like rocked me to the core Mm. because his brother is comforting him through his pain and his suffering. It's just such a picture of Jesus, you know? Yeah. And um, Mm. so there's nothing more that I could wish for for my sons, you know? Um, I think all parents want their kids to do their best and to succeed and have a full life. To me, those are empty statements. Mm. I want my boys to know Jesus. I want my boys to know love, the love of God, and to spread it everywhere they go. And if that happens, the rest is doesn't matter. That's so good. That's so good. What what an appropriate reminder. You know, my kids are eight, seven, and two. And so, you know, my eight-year-old and seven-year-old, they're in that, they're in that season where we're like putting them in extracurricular activities and very quickly you can start to move into this temptation where you're like more concerned about their performance on the field mm-hmm. or in the classroom or, you know, and it, because that's the Western mindset. Yep. And, and just to be reminded, you know, Misty, from, from your experience, from your story of saying the most important thing is our kids know Jesus mm-hmm. and that they become bearers of that testimony, that they mm-hmm. show the world what it looks yep. like to, and however they do that, that's just, you know, 
that, that's the that's the ancillary. That's the stuff that doesn't. Sure, if they do it on a ball field, sure, if they do it in a classroom or in a you know chemistry lab or whatever. However, that is the most important thing is that that one day they're you know whether they're a doctor or a nurse, they're able to really empathize with people, or whether they're a teacher or a. It doesn't matter what they're doing, but they're finding those moments mm-hmm. to bring kingdom to earth. Amen. For people. Amen. Mm. Amen. That's right. And that's all we could, that's the most we could hope for, right? So great. So, um, talk a little bit about, you know, I know parenting with special needs can cause, um, some difficulty in marriage. I mean, we see this over and over and Mm. over, you know, part of our ministry, we work with people in all different walks of life in terms of, you know, the pain that they're walking through. And we definitely have seen, um, instances where marriages are struggling because of not just a situation like this, parenting with special needs, but also, any kind of, you know, trauma or tragedy that, that a couple is walking through together. It either, it seems like it either really unites them or it completely divides them. It becomes this very polarizing thing. How have you guys uh, navigated the first, you know, 19 months of this, I guess even beyond that is since you've gotten the diagnosis and what are some things you would say, part two of that question would be, what are some things that you would say you're kind of honing in on, on how to make sure your, your relationship and your marriage Hmm. stays really strong through all of this, you know? Yeah. Well, I'm going to be honest. It, it has not been easy. Mm. And again, I didn't ask for an easy life. (laughs) It has not been easy mostly because, and this is what I really want to emphasize here. I think we see, oh, families who have a child with a disability, they really struggle and that must be because the child has a disability. Mm. It's not that. I just want to give like a picture into what, what it is, at least for my family. Mm. It has nothing to do with Judd's diagnosis. Mm. It has everything to do with when something happens that changes the way that you've lived your life. So in our case, we have a lot of therapies and we have things that we do to help Judd. Um, when something happens that changes or alters or like moves the tectonic plates yep. <laughs> there, there, you have to kind of adjust and that's hard. Nobody likes change. And for a while, all of us have places where we sort of coast. Mm. We're like, uh, that's not the best. That's, I don't do the best in the way that I'm connecting with my husband right now, but it is what it is. We got to keep going. All of us have those sort of like default places, and I feel that Jed has made us unable to operate in the default, mm, wow. that we have to always kind of, it's just like, it's, it's yeah. hard, you yeah. know, like, ugh, the schedule is impossible. Mm. How are we going to do the schedule? Okay, well, we got to sit down and we got to talk. Mm. We got to figure out what's what's going to work for us. It's a lot of like brass tacks. Yeah. And I think that that, in, that can tear you apart. That can because you're mm-hmm. frustrated and like, why aren't they pulling their weight? Or I'm doing more, you're doing less. But I think that happens in marriage, period. Right, right. But <laughs> I do think that Jed has has absolutely kind of made us focus on what is important. Mm-hmm. Like we can't, we can't coast anymore. There's no more default. It's do or die. And we're really all, uh, we're all in that position, right. but my life shines a light on that more. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so my life being so busy and full with, with things for Jed, it shines a light on, you got to feed this yeah, part. You got to work on this part. You got to look at this part or you ain't going to make right. it. So do it, do it for the Lord, do it for your children, do it for each other, you know? And there have been moments where we've just been so frustrated and like, we don't know how to do it all. We're just exhausted. And I will just like, you know, hug him and like snuggle into his chest because there's nothing else to say or do. You're just tired and you just have to like, you know, I'm so glad you brought this up. Because it's a reminder that you just got to like, don't hang on to the crap. Yeah, yeah. Just hug him. Yep. You know, yeah. he needs a hug just as much That's as right. I do, yeah. you know, 
Yeah. Yeah. It can be, it can be so tough in any, you know, any situation that we're going through. But I, I mean, I, I think particularly in these situations where you're navigating parenthood with a special needs child, this is because, right. you know, again, that's not what typically you designed your family to look like. Um, right. And my wife's been continually telling me, and this is under the context of she's wanting to, for us to try for a fourth. And I'm like, Oh man, she's like, I just want the Lord to design my family. I want the Lord to design my family. Right. And, and I'm sitting here, you know, talking with you, Misty, as, as you're, the Lord has designed your family and, and you guys have embraced this. Right. And, and of course you're navigating difficulty. It's tough, right. You're having to lean in with each other. There's no, there's nothing easy or peachy about this. And yet, you know, you have, surrendered to this idea of, Hey, this is the Lord has designed our family this way. And this is going to be mm-hmm. for our good, for our sanctification. Mm-hmm. We're going to walk in this and we're going to know God more. Mm-hmm. We're going to know each other more. We're going to know ourselves better. Like these are the, mm-hmm. this is the the nuts and bolts of, of how do we navigate this Valley and walk with the Lord. Now you're also helping other people to navigate this. You're kind of living your life transparently on this platform where you're just saying, Hey, come along the journey with me. Right. We're not. And and I love that because we're not talking about, you know, Jed's not 19 years old. He's 19 months old. Right. So it's not like you're going, Hey, I'm the expert. I've figured this out. Come on and follow. No, it's like, Hey, let's do this together. Right. Let's maybe I'm a little bit ahead of you in this, or maybe I'm not, maybe you're ahead and I can learn from you, but you've developed this space where people can connect with each other. Can you talk to me about that? What what was the idea yeah. the idea behind it, and and what do you hope for it? Yes, thank you so much for asking me. It's ha- happiness is my third baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love it so much. I so I'm a musical theater actor, and one of my favorite um, musicals is You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. And there's okay. a song in it called Happiness, and it says happiness is finding a pencil, just really yeah. simple joys. And I woke up in the middle of the night one night. Um, nobody was up. Baby wasn't crying. Jed was like three months old. I just woke up. I just jolted and I started singing that song. And I thought that's what Jed's life is. Mm. It's simple joys. It's finding the simple joys in in life through the hard, through the great, through the yeah. everything. And um, I thought, I want to show, I want a mm. video that that people can go to that when they Google Down syndrome, mm. they see a video of moms, real moms with their babies that look happy. Now, happy is a shallow word, but yeah. I will tell you that that what you see on Google, none of it shows happiness. <laughs> like It shows like, oh, yeah. that's hard and that's not that's, what I want. Yeah, so I wanted to show people like me who are happy in, in like have happiness in their life. Right. So I said, well, I'm going to make a video. I'm going to fundraise. So it all started from fundraising for a video. And, um, I recorded a song with some other moms, the happiness song, and it's up on YouTube and Mm. just happiness is down syndrome. And it's just, it's like 10 of us moms from all over the country who filmed with an iPhone. And then I got a videographer to do the parts that I'm in, in the beginning and the end. And we sort of edited it together. And, um, a a marketing strategist said, you need to have a page that people go to if they find this video that they go to. And I'm so glad that she said that because happiness is down syndrome on Instagram has taken on a life of its own. I'm talking to people. It's just a space that everybody tells their story. And you see a picture of the mom or the dad or the grandma or the cousin or the sub sibling telling their story. And, um, and you, and you hear parts of your story in every story. And that's so important. That's what you're doing here, Davey, is like, I can go, I can listen to something and go, I don't have that experience, but I know what that feels like. Right. I, I know what she's talking about. There's someone besides me who feels this way or who has felt this yeah. way. It's a chance to be honest. It's a chance to show the hard, but it's yeah. also a chance to shine a light on the beauty. So that's what happiness is. And I, I can tell you it has been one of the greatest joys of my life. So cool. I never in a gazillion years thought that this would be something that I'm so passionate about. And it is my passion project. Oh, my goodness. So. Misty, I just pulled it up on Instagram. If you're watching our, this on YouTube, I'm going to put this right here. I'm putting it right on the screen if you're watching the YouTube. If, you're, if you don't know we're on YouTube, go to, go to YouTube. And then you can see just a little snapshot of happiness is Down syndrome. 
it's this is the this is remarkable. This is so cool. Thank you. I love it. Thank you. And you're you Thank see you. smile it's, after we, smile after smile after smile. And I do want to <laughs> I do want to emphasize this. You're right. Happiness can feel like a shallow word. One, you're contrasting the other side, the other story on Google, which <clears throat> we major media loves doomsday, right? And because it mm-hmm. because it sell it gets clicks, right? Mm-hmm. And yet humanity, our heart desires the other story, the story of redemption, the story mm-hmm. of, and I'll say this. Yes. Joy is the deeper, uh, yes. the, the, the deeper fulfillment, right? I don't even want to say emotion, but the, it's the deeper side of that idea of happiness. And yet it manifests itself in happiness many times. And scripture talks yes. about happiness, right? It talks about how yeah. there is weeping, but that, but then that weeping can be turned into dancing, Right, you dance yeah. when you're happy. My kids run around and do dance parties, and they're telling Alexa to put all these songs on. And I'm like, "Wait, are, should we be listening to this? Hold on a second. Uh, but they're dancing, you know. And and I and I love that because here's what I'm sensing from you. I mean, just across the internet and right here on this, you, you exude this. You have this deep joy. You're choosing to look at this differently. We call it a good eye, and and yet you're also exuding happiness out of this. There's smiles, and that's what you're bringing to to this this whole topic right now and i just i love it and so i want to encourage everybody mm-hmm. to go happiness is down syndrome uh on instagram and follow you know what you're doing misty what what would you what would you say to somebody who right now they've just received this diagnosis and this is a providential thing that man they've turned on the nothing is wasted podcast and they've heard you or someone referred them to this this episode because they've what would you tell them? You're grabbing coffee with them. You're sitting across the table with them. They've just received this diagnosis. They're in that fog, that stupor that you were uh, that weekend before you saw the counselor. What would you say to them? I would say, first and foremost, you are not alone. You are not alone. There are many who have gone before you, and there are many who will come after you. You are not alone. And I would say, find community. Mm. Find people who have walked where you are walking, uh, whether that's in the prenatal stage that I did. I went to the DSDN, um, Down Syndrome Diagnosis Network, and they have chats on Facebook Mm. where you can be in a group of moms who are pregnant with a child with Down Syndrome. You can express those fears and those real raw moments in real Mm. time with people who are feeling them at the exact time that you are. It's a hugely powerful thing. Find somebody who's going through what you're going through through the DSDN. Find community. So reach out and if if you're someone who knows someone going through this and and you can connect someone in some way. My pastor connected me to someone who had a, a, a daughter with Down syndrome and I spoke with that that woman for two hours on the phone and she told me about her, Lisa being the greatest joy of her life. And that's what separates the men from the mice when it comes to changing your, changing your path. Like, right. So we're on this trajectory. We're going like, there's no stop in this train, but we get to choose how, how we move forward and find your community. You are not alone. Share your story, no matter what stage you're in. If you're mad, if you're sad, if you're grieving, share it. All of us get it. (laughs) <laughs> There's you're not going to offend anybody. Share it because it takes the steam, it takes the darkness and the shadows and the closeting wow. away when you share it and you say, "I felt this awful thing," and somebody else goes, "Yep, mm. I felt that too." That's huge. It's huge. So share your story. You are not alone. Find your community. Um, if you personally reach out to me on happiness is down syndrome, I will be the one responding. So I'm here for you. Um, and there are many, many, many others who are too. And I'm going to say it carefully, but congratulations. Um, it's hard to hear congratulations mm. when you're upset, Wow! but, uh, what you've been given is a gift. Yeah. If anyone is listening, you've been given a gift. That's so good. That is so good. Misty, thank you so much for spending time with us. This has been wonderful. And I know it's encouraged so many people who are walking a very similar road that you're walking. And um, is there any other place? I mean, happiness is Down syndrome. That's one place that we can we can connect with you. Any, anywhere else we can connect with you or follow what you're doing? 
mostly through both Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. Um, I, I also have a, um, a blog, um, happiness is down syndrome.tumblr.com. Um, but the most active place is Instagram. Um, you can find it on Facebook as well. And like I said, if you reach out to me on Instagram, you're going to hear from me probably at three in the morning. (laughs) So, um, so reach out, connect, even if you don't have someone with down syndrome in your life, but you want to know more, please reach out. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks for spending time with us today. It's been wonderful. Davey, I love hearing I love hearing the resiliency of Misty. Mm-hmm. I love hearing what God is doing through her in that whole concept that you talked about earlier and that she really focused on that flipping the script. Right. Like I what a I just feel like that's so godly. Like yeah. because I, I do think there's a world that would say a certain narrative of the world or population of the world that would say, oh, this is such bad news. Right. You have a child with Down syndrome. And in some right. cases might even say, you should abort this baby. Yeah. I mean, and she talked about that a little bit, right? Like yeah, she was expecting she that to come out of, yep. Can you, I mean, and so to flip that on the other side and see, well, actually like there's joy here. The image of God is in my son yep. and in all babies with Down syndrome. It's, yep. Uh, this is such a powerful work, I think, of the Holy Spirit through Misty it is. and through her whole community. I was so amazed when she, even getting down to the minute detail of every step of the development from conception of this child, because of this genetic disorder, every step is a miracle. At mm. all these different places, these different milestones, my child should not have made it. He's a miracle baby, right? Mm. That perspective, that's so different. We've talked about this before, but that's the difference between seeing out of a good eye or seeing out of a bad eye. Yeah, right? wow. And I know wow. like several, you know, episodes ago when I was talking about the, com- you know, kind of commentating on the mistrial that happened with Amanda's trial, I talked mm. about that. Like you can either see something through a good eye, see something through a bad eye. It's an old rabbinical teaching. It's actually a teaching that Jesus was drawing from when he said mm. the eye is the lamp to the body. Mm. That they would teach, you know, you can, you have the choice on how you want to view the world. Are you going to see it aligned with God's redemption story? Mm. Or are you going to see it aligned with the narrative of chaos, right? Mm. Of disorder. And you get the choice on whether now we personalities are prone to certain things, right? Like the more we study personalities, we can say, okay, well, this personality might be prone more toward like cynicism or skepticism. And Mm -hmm. that's fine. Maybe you have a little bit more work, but I think everybody can move along the spectrum to get over to this good eye and say, Hey, I want to, Okay. Choose to see something the way that God sees it and begin to write my narrative in such a way that that I, maybe, yes, maybe these diagnoses or these phone calls, where it surprises me, but I but I can quickly go, that sounds like something God would do. Mm. Now let's watch him work. Let's watch yeah. him. Let's watch him yeah. do what he does, you know? Yeah, I um, think that's so, that's so good, Davey. That's such a good insight for, I, I feel like for so many situations in life, mm-hmm. right? Like, and what you're not saying is, Look on the bright side. Right. But it's, it's not silver lining. Like yeah. you're not mm-hmm. saying denying reality. What you're saying nope. is in the face of reality, make a decision to either, yeah, live in what could totally defeat you and destroy you, yeah. or expect God to show up like only God can show right. up. And that kind of is the difference between like running the race and enduring and surviving in some cases wow. and the difference between just like laying down and giving up and dying. And right. so I, I this is a good call for anybody, I think, in a trial right now to choose, yep. I love that language, which eye are you going to view this circumstance from? Yeah. And of course, we see here that, um, you know, she's doing such, Misty's doing such a powerful job of encouraging yeah. folks to see their special needs child through right. that good eye. I love that. Well, even this interview embodied kind of the the both and of that. I mean, mm. at one point, Misty, you heard her, she 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 cries, she's weeping. Yeah. Like at one point, she's like, yeah. like she's overcome with emotion thinking about how painful that was to get this mm. diagnosis, right? And yeah. where she was at that point in her own yeah. walk with Christ and, and her own wrestling through that. And at the same time, in the same interview, you hear her like she's bubbly and she's like yeah. excited and she's passionate yeah. and she's got yeah. a smile on her face. If you're watching it on YouTube, you can see it. There's a smile on her face and you're like, mm. this is the embodiment of walking with both and this. The, That's the, it the reality of the pain that we're like admitting that. Yeah. Right. Not, not burying it or stuffing it or trying to right. but we're admitting this and acknowledging, man, this is painful. 
Yeah. And, not but, and mm. I'm also able to have the joy of the Lord in this. And I'm yeah. also able to be happy, right? Mm-hmm. Like we talked about just saying joy and happiness, but like happiness is also a trait that comes out of joy mm. in certain seasons. It can be something that, you know, we're dan we're we're weeping and mourning and then we're dancing. Yeah. And that's and right. that's our existence as human beings as we follow the Lord to experience both of those things. So, so good. Thank you, that's Misty, so for that reminder. Yeah, thank you. Mm. The other thing that I, I love, uh, you know, about Misty is doing what we we talked about is the community that she's creating. Yeah. And I think yeah. this is why it's such a beautiful fit for Nothing Is Wasted is that she's created this hap- happiness is Down syndrome community where Very people so. can come together and, and find purpose in their pain or, yeah. or healing in their hardship or, or whatever language we use. Right. And I... I um, again that she's like rewriting the the narrative through community, which is something that we're so passionate exactly. about here at Nothing Is Wasted as well. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot easier to adopt that good eye if if you are surrounding yourself with other people who are choosing to adopt a good eye too. Mm-hmm. Right, like yep. you know, if you're choosing to surround yourself with negative people, with people who only see the bad in this, then you're going to yeah. also gravitate toward that, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's why that's why we wanted to also create a community of people where we're trying to to infuse a culture in this community that says, "Hey, listen, I know what you're going through. I understand it. I've been there. I'm walking it right now, yeah. and it's so difficult. And we're choosing to move through this in a godly way, right? So we say it this way, "Me too. Now let's move through." Right. Me too. Now let's move through. It's holding those things in tension that we can acknowledge the reality of our pain and we can look to the redemption of Christ all at the same time. Mm -hmm. And that's what we want to encourage you guys to be a part of. I mean, if you have not joined the nothing is wasted community, absolutely free. Nothing is wasted.com slash community. And there you can connect with other people who are walking through the same thing that you're walking through. And also our certified coaches who are engaging on that platform and they're putting some encouragement and stuff out there to you, and as well as offering more and more resources to help you as you navigate your pain. Um, we've got some master classes that we've done that were that were that are coming up, it, so you can access those master classes and other resources there for free. The replay of those master classes are only available to our Nothing Is Wasted Community Plus members. That's a membership there, um, and you can access so many other things, including a new course, a uh, mini course called position for redemption, which is all about this idea of like, how do we position our lives, our perspective to be in line with the redemption story that God has for us. And so oh, we want to so encourage exciting. you to do that. Yeah. And, and Again, you can there. do that by going to nothing is wasted.com slash right. community. Such good stuff, Davey. That's right. We also want to thank uh, Sleeping at Last for providing all of the music for the Nothing is Wasted podcast. You can find his music wherever it is you stream your music. And as always, we love to engage with you on social media. We're on Instagram at Nothing is Wasted Ministries, at Davey Blackburn, and at Obsamp. And we frequently have giveaways there on our Instagram at Nothing is Wasted Ministries. It's almost every Friday that we're giving something away. We call it Friday Freebie. So you're going to want to make sure. I love Friday freebies. Friday I love freebie, giveaways. Friday freebie. And you can only find that out on Instagram. So make sure you follow. Make sure you follow the directions on how to win free books from authors that we've had on the podcast and uh, pain to purpose course sometimes. Sometimes we go big and we give you a free coaching. I mean, it, there's a lot of good freebies there, there. So make sure you follow us and engage there. Next week, we have a very good conversation with Dr. Mark Mayfield. Uh, this one of those conversations, Aubrey, that I walked away from stirred up. I mean, mm. I was like, wow, this guy is Can't brilliant. Wait. And I'm super excited for you guys to listen to this. So let's go ahead and listen to a little clip from my conversation with Dr. Mark Mayfield. Well, I think over the years, I mean, stigma, you think about just the history of our country and kind of the independent spirit, let's, you know, uh, you know, how often do we hear on the news, you know, you're not going to take away my freedoms. I'm going to, you know, all this kind of stuff and not to put a political spin on things, but just kind of seeing how our country has been since its inception, it's been very much an independent spirit. So when we get to a place where we can't do it or we are struggling, uh, there's such a stigma around asking for help or saying that I'm not able to do this on my own. 
Mm. Um, and so we talk about mental health and mental illness, uh, but do we really normalize it to a place that that we all can go, hey, I can relate to that in the sense of, well, I'm not going to be diagnosed with, you know, general anxiety disorder or bipolar or major depressive disorder, but I struggle with some anxiety and fear and I struggle with some depression or I struggle with ups and downs. Uh, where's that place for me? Where's that conversation for me? 